Welcome back, friends, for another episode of The Players Are Loud. Tonight, I say tonight, I'm recording this tonight at nighttime. We've got the amazing Chris Carver with us. Chris, what's up? Welcome. What's going on, man? Chris is, uh, Chris, you're to me like a mad scientist, dude, in a good way. (laughs) Uh, Chris is uh, an amazing composer in his own right. He's a He's a keyboard player. I've heard the guy shred on guitar and bass. Um, another one of these annoying folks that seems to be able to do everything well. <laughs> like and you. He, and he also runs a successful business outside of his music endeavors, just you know, to make it even more um, Im- impressive. But um, but yeah, Chris played on um, a couple tunes on the World Is Loud. You played on Truth Seeker. Well, both versions of Truth Seeker. Mm-hmm. The the one on the world is loud is is kind of like the reinvention, and yeah. we had a, the original version of that was a was a project we got to we got to fly to um, Baton Rouge, go to Presonus, and, and record at, at their studios there, which was which was really really cool. But um, so awesome. But what and, and you're also on um, the Professor, which we just released a video for um, earlier this this week, and. Um, Man, we've been a part of each other's musical lives ever since we met now. So, I, I mean, yeah, talk what, like about, 10 years or so now? Yeah, it's crazy how fast time has gone oh, by. Yeah. Our first time working together was <laughs> it was you hiring me, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we talked a little bit about this with Jason, because Jason Palmer, of course, another amazing drummer. Mm-hmm. Both Chris and Jason, by the way, are, are from Tupelo. Had no idea that the incredible talent that was in Tupelo, Mississippi, I hadn't been there before until I got to record with with Chris and man tell everybody about how we got connected and all that good stuff. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm probably one of just a couple of guys that that you're doing these interviews with that's not a full-time, you know, professional musician, so it's it's very much a hobby for me. Um, I did that in my youth, you know, kind of pursued that, but uh, I know I've told you all this before, but I was a fan of yours in college. So I I I've known about Adam Nitty for many years before we had met. Um, so at the time, what was it? Maybe like 2010 or so, I guess, 2011. Yeah, maybe. I mean, would have had to be right. somewhere around in there. Around there. Mm-hmm. So um, at that time, I was playing in a band with Jason and a couple other local guys, David Duncan, who's a yeah. tremendous guitar player Incredible from the area. Talent. And, and um, so we were playing in a, um, in a fusion band. And, you know, we were just kind of playing at it. We all had day jobs and it was just kind of a little fun hobby. And, you know, David owns a really beautiful studio called the lodge and um we just said well hey let's let's record a few of these tunes and you know maybe put an album out you know at some point and right around that time we kind of started writing some tunes and and getting things going our bass player got a gig in vegas so we lost him his uh, name's nate holloman he's from memphis he's a fantastic yeah super good guy and a ridiculous bass player he is yeah so we he had big shoes to fill so you know i was just kind of thinking well you know i've been a fan of this adam nitty guy for you know, so long. I, I feel like he lives in Nashville. That's probably pretty close. You know, maybe we could get him down here for a weekend and knock these tunes out. And uh, I just kind of called you out of the blue. I think I emailed you and you were on the road and within like an hour or two, you emailed me back and like, yeah, man, let's, let's set something up and, and record and the rest is history. And that, that session, that was like a two day session, I think. Yeah, that sounds that right. Session. Yeah. That wound up being, we used a lot of those tracks on my first album. Yeah. Yeah. And the name of your first we, album? We had a great time. Uh, Ghost in the Machine? Yeah, Ghost yeah. in the Machine. And this uh, and You're this all album, over that album. 
that album is incredible. And uh, oh, thanks, we man. also had, you hired, I mean, you also, that was the first time, well, I speak for myself, maybe, maybe not for you, but that was my first time working with Brent Mason. Cause you, you also hired Brent, yeah. right? Because we, we were, we were, I think that was my that second time working with Brent. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that might be my second time. I, I, I really didn't know him that well at the time. And, yeah. Um, I think if it wasn't the first time we had met, it was the second. I know we had, we had done a, um, a live show in Tupelo with Brent, with, with David and, and, and the rest of the guys. So yeah. that was even the first or second time I had met him as well. Yeah. And, yeah. He, you know, he, living legend. Man, so, so many fond memories. And, and the thing that was so great about those sessions is, you know, at that time, I was doing a lot of traveling. And as a result of what, you know, touring was my main source of income. And as a result of that, it basically rendered my, my session, uh, you know, status as temporarily on hold because you can't do in-town sessions or heck for that matter, out of town sessions on someone else's schedule that's going to conflict with your tour schedule at all. So, so I was, I, you know, I was kind of forced to be removed from that and, and getting to go to Tupelo and do these sessions with you all was, I don't know if you realize how much of a big deal that was for me at the time, because it was just so nice to be able to, you know, we just kind of planted ourselves at the studio. I was out of town. You didn't have the distractions of, of home or anything. And it's this yeah. gorgeous studio that, that David built. And we really had truly like interactive sessions, just like, like old school, you know, it was, yeah, it was great. Really, it was one of my favorite sessions I've ever been on. Me like, too. Me good, too. Such a good Absolutely. Time. That makes me feel good. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this to David too. I know that's going to make him feel nice. Yeah, man. That and, was his, that was his vision for that studio was, you know, when we took you out there, I know you were probably thinking we were crazy because it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's 30, yeah. 30 minute drive from any civilization. So you, yeah. you were unplugged when you're out there and you're in the moment. And that's, yep. I think that's kind of the way he wanted it. And uh, it's it's one of the best studios I've ever been in, but but yeah, that that session was so much fun, and uh, all of us just kind of clicked. You know, yeah. first day we were kind of you know, break, you know, busting each other's chops, and you yeah. know, just having a good time from day one. So it was that was cool, man. It, it laid the groundwork for a lot of good friendships there. Well, and that's yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I almost feel like I feel like the friendships had already kindled even before we got significant progress done on on the record. Like you said, everybody it really felt like a group of people that um, everybody was just like-minded, man. You know, we all, we all really just wanted to make the best music we, we could. Everybody was so humble and just, um, man, just, just a pleasure to work with, man. It was just, oh, man, I, that, I forever nice speak fondly <laughs> of those, of those <laughs> days. It's great. Yeah, man, we, we had, we had some good times there. And, and like I said, I think the tracks that we, we produced out of that, uh, most of them, you know, never, but we never, that, that album that we were initially going to do never really materialized. And, yeah. um, I, those tracks, I'm so glad we got to use them on something and, and Me too. They're, they're fantastic tracks. So what, whatever happened to the other tracks then, were they, were they just sort of put on hiatus? I don't even remember. What, yeah, I think so. We, was, we, but. I, I had written, I had written most of the tunes, I think. Um, and I think David had a couple that he was working on. So we were going to start with the ones that we had already, you know, we had been playing those tunes in clubs for, you know, probably a year or so. So we kind of already had them under our hands. So we we're like, well, let's just go in and cut these, you know, it'll be nice and easy. And uh, that's kind of where we started. And then it just kind of never materialized after that. But, but yeah, I, I took those tracks and, and David was cool to let me use them. So, yeah. 
Man, so yeah. cool. So, so that was your that was the beginning of, of the first album, Ghost of the Machine. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us about how your second album came together, because that was one that was that that was a record that that started as your album project, right? I mean, that was and that was yeah. just a that was a complete evolution of you had a vision started that in a spare bedroom yeah yeah that was it just started right there and just went went from there and it took a long time that second one took about three years to complete yeah um i I think you and i are a little similar in the fact that you know i I don't i'm not going to rush to put something out yeah unless i'm ready to say something or unless you know i feel like i can do a better job than what i did before yeah so that was that was kind of where i was i was like well you know that first album's really cool and you know i did some cool things on it but I, i wanted to do something a little more mature and focus a little bit more on composition. And um, so I really took my time with that one and, and really wrote things slowly. And I got a lot more people involved to help me with it. And yeah, um, yeah I'm really proud of that album. That was, that one, that one was a, a big time labor of love. And, and um, I can kind of hear a little bit of that in, by the way, this, which I just got in the mail. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you right know, on you cue. In those albums that, Right. You can hear those albums that, that someone really poured over and really spent yeah. hours and hours and fine tuning. You, you hear that in, in an album and I, I hear that in your, your recent album. I hear that in all of them, really. But I, I really I guess since we've been talking through your yeah. entire process of, of making this, I really hear those hours in it. So, I, well, I, I appreciate you really good that. album, man. It's really good. Thank you. It definitely out of that's my that's number six for me. And it is absolutely without question, my most ambitious effort because of how, I mean, I, I kind of, I got myself into trouble (laughs) with that, with that record, turning it into something that I didn't know it was going to be. It really did that vision for the record really did change. Um, And, you know, as would be expected, um, you know, five 99% instrumental, you know, records prior to this, you know, a lot of people, who, who are familiar with the other stuff. I mean, they're, they're taken by surprise. Um, How is that being received? Well, How, grateful, what's your feedback right now? Yeah. I mean, people who are, you know, there may be a, a, more people out there who don't like it, but, who just aren't, who are just, you know, following the, uh, the rule better to say nothing at all than to say something negative. But, but, you know, the, I think it's a really strong transition personally. I mean, yeah. I, I hear, I hear your, I hear your background in this music. Yeah. Obviously it's not a, fusion jazz tune it's it's you know prog rock which you know i'm i know both of us are huge fans of and sure. I, I think a lot of fusion players kind of have a, a bit of prog in their background I, you know I think yeah that it seems like sense, if you're going to cross over into something that is uh um there's some overlap there yeah that's that's yeah. like a a less um <laughs> that's a less bumpy transition than than some other genre switches could, could be were you and uh, i mean I, I've been asking so many people this. I mean, when when you started get, getting these these tracks for me, I mean, were were you like, uh, what's he doing? Like, were you su- as surprised? Well, you know, you you had kind of set me up for it a little bit. You had yeah. kind of set me up before I ever heard any of the tracks. You know, you would you you kind of let me know that things were kind of going in a little bit of a different direction. And um, you know, when, whenever I get a track from you, I get excited because I know it's going to be something that that I'm going to dig because I, Man, likewise, I think we have a for similar sure. taste in music. You know. But uh, yeah, this one, this one was a fun one. The, the professor was, was a really good one. That one's kind of the one that I've been listening to the most here lately. Yeah. That one, it instantly sounded like Rush to me. So I, I love that, you know, it was a Neil Peart 
yeah. know, tribute type. There's I didn't no know that at the that time when I was recording influence it. influence was there for sure. So Yeah, uh, but it sounded just like a Rush album. So on that one, you know, I just kind of I pictured Getty with a Moog Taurus pedal. So I would, <laughs> you know, put some pads in there. And I think we did a B3 track and a, oh, yeah. a, an EP track and uh, did a little bit of those some, little rhythmic tracks. You had some... Chris, Chris here is... Um, for those who aren't familiar with you yet, you are not only a gifted virtuosic player, but you are also mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about who you are as a player. It something about how you perceive tones and how you create tones and sounds. It's just, man, it's phenomenal. And um, I don't know what you ended up using on there was like this one sort of ethereal patch that you were using on the professor. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That was just, it took the song to a whole other level. It's just a subtle little part. It's crazy. That's one of my, I appreciate that, man. That's, that's kind of what I think is the hallmark of a good like backing track is something that you really don't pay attention to, but if it wasn't there, you might miss, you know, you would miss it. Um, I call those little movement tracks, you know, just little things that are syncopated here and there and maybe delayed and tempo synced and, um, those and just kind of in the right places, it really brings things up. I appreciate that, man. Do you, my my yeah. favorite example of that is on Cosmic Underground. If you go oh, to that yeah. track, man, that... all the little all the little things that are going on that if they weren't there, you know, or, or if you didn't really pay attention to them, you wouldn't notice them. But if they weren't there, I feel like it, it, you would miss a little bit of that groove. But man, I keep telling um, people, you know, it's y'all's parts that that make these songs look good i mean uh, it's, it's uh, well the ridiculous writing uh, uh, you know that, that starts know. with that i don't know about that but cosmic underground boy that that is uh that is that's become um one of the most um well as far as like my my youtube channel goes like that is by far like one of the most played songs something about that that tune and where it sits in terms of um maybe uh, people's affinity for different genres. It seems like it, it, you know, it struck a chord, pardon the great tune, the man. unintentional pun, but um, I think it struck a chord with a lot of different generations of, of people. Cause I've seen um, there's been, there, there's been people that like, I, I'll get tagged sometimes in some of these Instagram posts or Facebook posts. And I, I'm so thrilled because there's there's a bunch of people that are like covering some of these songs out there, and yeah. either playing them with the background track, or or playing them with their band. I know I've sent you some of these things. I mean, it, I know you've seen the kids that are doing your stuff. Man, that are, it's, they're just it's I, insane. It is insane, and, and, and your music is difficult. Them. I mean, for those listening, Adam Nitty's music is difficult. <laughs> it is not easy to play. <laughs> so that's it's, it's them, a huge feat to see that. To see these these people, these players, and the and the young players, like you mentioned, like they, you can tell, like they've really honed in on a, a lot of the specifics of what you were doing on the tune, or 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 Jason, you know, what he was yeah. playing, Scott's guitar solo, and I'm I'm you know specifically referring to Cosmic Underground right now, but but yeah, man, what a what a tremendous tremendous, you know swell of pride that that must give you all like because i know it does it does for me it's just it's so oh, cool yeah. just to to think that someone wants to wants to try to play your your music you know it's it's really yeah cool. yeah yeah but yeah back i mean i guess back we kind of got off track there but back to your your question um yeah i love getting tracks from you because I, I i feel like um i feel like we kind of share a same 
vision or sonic, you know, things hit our ears similarly, I kind of feel like. So, yeah. you know, I, I like you just kind of send it to me and say, hey, man, just do what you do. And, you know, usually within a couple of a uh, couple of drafts, we've got it dialed in. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, usually it's it's a pretty straightforward, uh, painless process to record your stuff yeah. other than just learning the ridiculously difficult music. Well, man, it's an honor to have you a part uh, of all these tunes and, and um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your, your music as well. And I, uh, I yeah, encourage everybody to please, you know, check out these, these Chris Carver albums. They're, I mean, they're second to none, just incredible compositions. Oh, I, I want to point out too, with your, with your last record, um, Wonderland, I don't think we, we mentioned the name of it yet, did we? Yeah. Yeah, so so Wonderland is is his second album. One of the things that makes that record really unique, and one of the things that I think is just just amazing, is is you've got these horn section parts on there. Oh, Tell man. us a little about yeah. about that because that's that's something that I know. Well, you, I had you very had little to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a vision. I, I was listening to a lot of Snarky Puppy at the time, which is you know one of my favorite bands, and I love how they have the, the big you know orchestras and the you know, strings and the horns and uh, I've always kind of gravitated towards, you know, large ensembles. So I knew like the next the next album I wanted to do, I wanted to have it really thick and full and just, you know, a lot of action on it. So um, I can't remember how I, I got hooked up with them, but uh, I think maybe it was Jason, uh, Jason Palmer that that uh, hooked me up with uh, uh, Phil Blasseter, who did all the horn arrangements. I had very little to do with that horn stuff. That's all. That's all Phil. He is he is the man. Um, so, you know, we kind of gave him a couple of ideas or a couple of little hooks and things to do and, and he built it around the track. So, mm. uh, I wish I could take, you know, take credit for those arrangements, but that was, that's all Phil Lasseter. He's, he's the man. Well, it's such a beautiful, uh, compliment to the, to the tunes. And, um, obviously he must've been inspired by what he was hearing to put that stuff together because it's just, I hope so. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's incredible. Um, yeah. thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you uh another great thing uh, about your um your your long list of talents here it's something that we both share in common is we've been we've been mixing our our own records um, i i really want to ask you some questions about that so let's, <laughs> let's get into it let's but i want to ask you some questions about that okay. <laughs> um i'm curious like for me i i think i enjoy mixing <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure, but but I'm unlike somebody who does that every day, you know, for a living. I I take a lot of time, you know, and and it's just it's it's just especially when it's your project, you know, sometimes you can take too much, much time and second guess yourself and all that other stuff. But that's like one of the greatest challenges for me is like knowing when it's done kind of thing. Do, do you ever, that's the you thing. Ever struggle with that? Cause yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I've all, I was thinking about this the other day. I was, you know, I think in the next project I do, I'm not going to mix and master it. I think I'm just okay. going to let, let somebody do it and give it to me. And then we can go from there. But yeah. cause I'm the same way. I mean, you know, that was that last album I did, you know, I said three years, the, the songs were done well before that, you know, they yeah. were recorded. Uh, a lot of that is just the mixing and mastering and not, you know, I'm, I'm a rank amateur at, at both. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, thank God for, you know, presets and, you know, things like that. Well, it's you know, so true, and presets. But, but let's be realistic. I mean, you know, these, these new tools that exist, these software based tools and plugins, yeah. presets. I mean, you and I nerd out on that stuff. I know we've talked about it a million times mm -hmm. sharing, you know, uh, plugins with each other. Um, it's like, 
I want to say this diplomatically. It's like you've got these incredible tools that seem to, you know, they, they can help speed up the process. But at the end of the day, I think most people would agree. It's like if you don't really have the, the ears to sort of interpret what's going on and make dynamic changes and react to things, you know, the tool doesn't help you if you still don't know how to build something. Right. I get, is that would you? Yeah, agree you get more that? knobs and faders in front of you. A lot of times you're going to hit a point of diminishing returns if if the ear is not there and you know, you don't have a vision for what you're, what you're wanting to hear, I guess, you know, you can, you can really go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But your mixes are so, they're great. And, and, um, oh, thanks. You, oh man, no, really. I am not just saying that. I mean, you do, you do a really great job of, of keeping, and this is one of the greatest challenges for me, but, um, but you had to do this too on your stuff because you're using, a lot of different musicians on on different things you know you still want the the mastered result you know the 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 whole compilation to still be cohesive you know from song to song it doesn't yeah. mean they have to sound exactly the same that's tricky but man yeah. it's it's tough and i had on on the world is loud i, I had six different drummers and wow um it's like uh and the drummer sets the tone the drummer is is really what what sets that baseline i think Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, um, that to me is like, that's, I, I kind of look at the drums as the most important part of the mix. Um, it's the mm -hmm. most foundational element of the mix. I said the other day on another interview, I feel like you can almost get away with compromised, um, recording processes on, on processes on, on the other, the other instruments, but if the drum tracks are super solid and super resolute and, and good sounding, you can still make the recording mm -hmm. sound great. Whereas vice versa, I don't see as being as possible. You know, you could have really pristine sounding guitars and stuff and bass and voice, but if the drums sound horrible, yeah. I feel like you can't redeem the recording. And that's just, that's my, whatever, that's just my personal opinion. I agree. I agree. And I think that's, um, luckily we know a lot of the same drummers and I, I thank yeah. you for hooking me up with a lot of the guys that have played on my stuff. But mm. you know, that's, that's where it comes down to is finding a drummer that can get you that, that polished tone, you know, right, right to the track. Right. Um, Jason can do it. Yep. You know, um, uh, I know on my album, uh, Marcus, Marcus Finney was on yeah. it. And, and, yeah. And Marcus Rico, a bunch of my stuff too. Yeah. Rico Watson was, yeah, he, he always nails it. So, you know, uh, you know, and just that's just a couple of names off the top of my head. But you know, that's that's the thing. And you know, um, these home studios are getting so good that you can get those polished tracks, right? You know, uh, remotely. And I think if you start with that, the job is a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, if so that that and I think the bass is is probably uh, definitely number two on that list. If if yeah, not tied for is, number one, bass is trickier than than I think some people realize because of its um, potential to impede other frequencies or step on the toes of other instruments and um man I'll, <laughs> I, I'll i'll tell a really quick quick story um just about my education with that you know i i've been i've been playing bass for many years already but still was struggling with with getting what i felt like was you know a, a bass tracks that that really maintained their own character and, and presence, especially when I played on other people's music. And mm -hmm. at the time, 
up to then, well, in, in recent years, up to that point where I finally was, was starting to learn what was going on, I was using a lot of um, active bass guitars. And the thing about an active bass, traditionally, now there's always going to be exceptions, of course, but like when you're, when you're just sort of generally speaking about an active bass guitar and how most of them are set up, you know, you've got to, they're active because they've got these, these active preamps and now you've got uh, tone controls to give you the ability to boost or, or cut DB on, on those on those frequencies and and uh, you know some of these these preamps sound kind of hot you know they've got they've got louder outputs they're um, active generally speaking an active circuit you know or active bass guitar because of the way the electronics work it's 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 good to have some more sustain usually and like there's there's all these there's all these nuances of, of, of difference, but the thing about it is if you were just listening to the active bass by itself and you were boosting frequencies, like it's, it sounds amazing and huge. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this yeah. sounds like a, an orchestra of bass. It's, it's so alive and vibrant and it's got so much low end and high end and it's glorious. Right. But that amazing sound on its own is not, by any means necessarily going to work in a, in a track where other instruments are also, because the, 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 the foot, the footprint of bandwidth that that bass tone may have is so huge that it's stepping over into the drums and it's stepping over into the guitars and keyboards. And, and my, my workaround for that back in the day, before I really kind of understood what, what was going on was I was like, Oh, gee, let me let me cut these frequencies out because they're competing, and then let me yeah. bring the volume up. And it was kind of a backwards way of chasing down a good placement in in a track. Do you and, think that's why P basses are so prolific? In because I mean, on their own, they really aren't that great sounding. There's nothing real special about them, but in the true. mix, they just always work. They do, and this is the thing about passive instruments. And this was one of the lessons learned. It was that you know a passive instrument especially like a traditional, like a jazz bass, P bass, anything like that. Um, because they have a, you know, for lack of a better description, like a narrower bandwidth, they, they kind of mind their own business and stand alone. And, and they have a way of, you know, Leo Fender obviously knew what he was doing um, when he started inventing the, these things because the way that the way that they play nicely with other instruments, you know, you can't really ignore that. So fast forward to me kind of figuring that stuff out. I learned that with my active instruments, instead of taking the, the, the approach of like, okay, let me get a great bass sound. Let me boost this, make this sound good. And then sort of bringing that to the table. Um, instead, what I do is I start by cutting frequencies on these instruments. So, so my, when I'm recording, um, you know, like my, my Ibanez basses, the, they've got, they have, well, the five string has kind of a hybrid passive and active setup in it, but it's, it's fundamentally an active instrument. That and, and my six string, both of those basses, when I'm recording them, I put a little bit of a, you know, basically like a two to three dB cut on the bass knob on both of those because they already have a little, they've got a little bit more headroom than is even needed. And I've just yeah, learned from pushed a little. so many, so many recording sessions over and over again. Like this is kind of, this is where it needs to be. And this is, this is how it's going to sit well, but my ear had That's to really, first get tuned into that. 
That's super interesting for me to hear because I, I like I said, I've, I've listened to all your albums. I think the first one I got was like maybe Balance. Mm-hmm. I think I think that might have been the first one where I've gotten hip to you. And your tone was ridiculous on those. I mean, it sits oh, perfect. Thanks. So I mean, I guess this happened a long uh, before those albums because on those well, I'll be, early I'll, albums of yours, dude, they sound amazing. Man, I appreciate that. Well, I'll be completely honest with you. It was it was right after Balance or during Balance that I was starting to to finally make sense of what was going on. And here's here's what started that that whole tone quest for me. I had a chance to play on some some compilation albums that had myself in a in a bunch of a, well, a bunch, you know, like a handful of other bass players, like I, you know, play on an artist album and maybe it's got me and one or two other bass players on it. And so I'd get all excited to hear the finished product. And it was like, it was like my bass seemed buried in the mix. And then I'm listening to theirs and it's, I'm hearing every note. I'm just going, man, the mixing engineer really gypped me. What's the deal? What he's doing. <laughs> but, but it makes, it makes so much sense because if you put yourself in a, in a mixing engineer's position where someone who knows what they're doing, if you give them a tone to work with, if, if they're kind of trying to be respectful to your tone, they, they're going to not want to go hacking at all these different frequencies, right? You know, unless you're sitting there with them discussing it in, interactively, which almost never is the case when you leave a session, you know, later on, it's, it's already, it's, it's taken care of by somebody else. But if they're trying to to maintain the you know the the integrity of, of your tone, well, think about it. If your bandwidth is super huge, your footprint is super huge. If it's up in the in the mix loud enough to where you would hear all the definition, the the other frequencies, the the subsonics and all the super low end is probably all now too loud because it's it's been brought up to the top with that. So what's what's an in, what's a mixing engineer going to do? They're going to bring you down. <laughs> so yeah. so when the volume gum comes down, unless they do something, go out of their way to make up for you know the uh, the the lost definition there. You, you know, as the bass player is going to listen back and go, "Oh, I'm not loud enough in the mix." Well, you're loud enough in the mix. You you there's enough low end, and it's it's at a level that is complementary to the other instruments, but your footprint was so big that it was stepping on things and it couldn't be, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's just, I'm not doing a super eloquent job of, of, of explaining all this, but, but that just opened my mind and my ears because it forced me to look at what are these other um, bass players using for gear? A lot of them were using passive instruments, you know, and they weren't even running through a preamp or anything. And I'm trying to compare my sound to the passive instrument sound and figure out okay, what's the difference here why does this work why does this not work as well and um i got super obsessed with it and nerdy about it and, and um learned a lot well you've you've dialed it in I, I guess it goes similar to what we were saying with the drummers you know i guess the closer you are to a, a ready mixed product you know early in the, in the recording stages you know the less you have to polish it to make it to make it absolutely something. do you have any kind of like a of a tone philosophy or, or, or even like influences that have kind of helped shape your well, ability yeah. to craft these sounds. I don't know if I have a, a tone philosophy. I, I guess I just kind of, what sounds good to me is what I use. Um, I model my tones after some of my idols. My Rhodes tone, for instance, is, uh, is all Herbie Hancock. I mean, that's, cool. that's, he's my number one guy. So I kind of try and get close to that. 
Um, but yeah, I just kind of, you know, I don't think there's a formula for it. It kind of depends on what, what the rest of the mix is doing is going to dictate what you're going to do. So, you know, I, I, I think, um, in terms of, um, contrast, so if, you know, you have sharp tones and, and then softer tones and, you know, having that, that con, you know, if you have everything, the same tone, everything gets, you know, muddled up. So to me, I kind of think in contrast, I guess would be, would be the, the best answer to that. Yeah. 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 Just, um, you don't want, like you said, you don't want anything with too big of a footprint. Yeah. Um, one thing that that's really changed a lot in terms of um, modern technology is, is how many, how many people use software instruments now. Yeah. You know, especially from the keyboard perspective, as opposed to having a bunch of different. Yeah. Keyboards. Everybody's using them. Yeah. So do you, are, are most of your keyboard sounds software based now, or do you still like having hardware keyboards? Like what, what's, yeah, what I, like? I like the hardware still. Um, yeah. You know, I play my roads. I mean, 95% of the time, that's what I'm playing. I'm just a roads guy. Hmm. Um, you're going to be really mad at me. I sold my B3. Oh no. I know. Oh, <laughs> I had to make man. room for the YouTube studio here. Okay. Uh, yeah, Chris so, had uh, an amazing sounding B3. Yeah. So I, I may be on the hunt for another one at some point, but yeah, uh, yeah I kind of, I kind of went with the YouTube thing since that seems okay. to be what's popular these days. Well, man, but uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but let's talk about that. So to, YouTube studio, tell people what, what you're talking about and what you have planned so, here. Cause I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. So, well, I, I'm doing this for my, my personal, uh, my, my business. So okay. I'm, a, I'm a chiropractor by trade. And I do a lot of social media stuff and things like that. So uh -huh. I wanted to build a, a little studio in my house where I can kind of produce content and not have to, you know, go to my office and set everything up. So it's just kind of here when I'm ready for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have it on hand. And, and I, I, I kind of slipped on it a little bit in 2020. I haven't done as much content as I should have. So that's kind of why you're looking in my, you've been here, you're, you're looking at my studio I'm kind of in the far end of it where I had all my amps and things like yeah, that. So yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of replaced a little bit of that with, something that, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit more responsible. <laughs> so what kind of content would, would that be? Is it like video instructional type stuff or? What yeah. Would you know, I kind of, I kind of do a few different things. We do a lot of, um, you know, condition specific videos, treatment videos. We do like patient testimonial videos. I've been kind of thinking about, you know, branching out and doing a few other things, you know, maybe some podcast stuff, some Q and a stuff, cool. you know, just, you know, like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just about kind of keeping your face out there and, and having a presence on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that um, social media is, I mean, do you, do you think that like to have a successful business these days, no matter what it is, music, chiropractor, um, yeah. you know, whatever it is, do you, do you feel like it's even possible to have a successful business and not have a consistent social media presence anymore? I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose it's possible, but it sure is a lot easier if you can keep a presence out, you know, presence out there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm notoriously bad for it. Cause I, I kind of don't do a whole lot of social media. If you go to like my personal Facebook page, I probably haven't posted on it in a year. You know, I'm, I just kind of try and distance myself from that stuff, but sure. professionally, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way to reach the masses and it's a easy and cheap. And uh, you know, so it, it, it doesn't make sense to not, exploit that so sure i think and i think that would hold true for anybody that's trying to make a buck off of anything you know it's 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 a cool tool to use it you know it, it shouldn't be the only pillar but uh you know definitely it's a, it's a tool just like anything else so i'm i've kind of rededicated myself to it this year i'm going to try and do a little bit more more content and, and be better so that's what you're looking at 
That's awesome, man. Um, you've always been really just disciplined and, and, you know, well put together with, with your kind of knowing exactly how to, for at least from where I'm standing, how to sort of divide your, your time and investment in, um, you know, this or that in order to sort of maintain a forward momentum, both with, with your music and, and with your business. Um, yeah. Is that, thanks, man. has that been innate for you or, or did you have to, did you have a mentor well, that kind of showed you that? Cause man, I, I have no innate business chops. I, I completely depend on, on outside sources to give me. Yeah. I, I kind of, all. I kind of in the same way. I, I kind of never really thought about, about it, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, uh, obviously the harder you work, the, the, the easier things, you know, come to you. And I, my, my dad taught me my work ethic. He's a, the hardest working guy I've ever met. Mm. Um, so I, I guess he taught me that and it's my work ethic is still probably nothing compared to his, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. That, 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 that means something you hear that. Um, uh, yeah, in terms of keeping that forward momentum, I think, you know, with music, there hasn't been any forward momentum in the past year, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but, um, for me, it was a little bit by choice too. I just kind of haven't felt like, to be honest with you, I haven't had that creative urge to, to do any of that. So, um, 2020 was all about, you know, kind of my, my other stuff that I was doing. So, sure, sure. um, I, I guess, I guess it was forced momentum. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I yeah. just, I, you know, as far as the music stuff, like I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a amateur. I'm not, a, I don't do it for a living. I'm, I, I consider it very much a hobby. So I have the luxury of just kind of doing it when I want to. And, mm -hmm. um, the luxury of saying no to somebody if, if I don't feel like doing something, you know, so, um, I, 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 I like focusing on the stuff that I like to do now. So that's, yeah. that's kind of where I am musically. So I, I just love it when you send me your stuff. And, uh, I know I've got one back there of Scott's that he's probably dying to get done that I've had forever and he probably hates me, but <laughs> it'll get done. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. Um, man, it, I'm so glad that, that you're, so glad you're doing this interview um, for so many reasons, but, but one, one important reason is, is what you kind of alluded to just then you're in a position where you don't have to rely on, on your music to pay all, all your bills and everybody's in different places with, with this type of thing. But man, this last year has been one i I said it before, I'll say it again. Like I refer to, to this, this past year, 2020 as, as the great equalizer, you know, when it, when it comes to um, how we are, are um, trying to maintain our livelihoods in, in, in the musical world. And um, this is, it's a sobering time for, for people like me and, and people like our, our mutual friend, Scott Bernard, who, who we had an interview with the other day. Um, you know, our, for me and Scott, like our, our primary source of income, the, all the touring stuff with logins literally disappeared the beginning of March. That was it. It was all over. Uh, every, every book show was, was gone. Uh, we still don't have anything on the calendar. The only thing that has happened is that Scott may have done one or two like acoustic trio things with, with Kenny that were just sort of, you know, by special appointment for, for certain, for, for particular reason, but there's been not a single band show. And, um, I, for me, I, I feel like it would be foolish to try to make an assumption about when things are going to come back or what it's going to look like as we start to, 
you know, phase back into having live performances. And um, I'm not at all ashamed to kind of, you know, tell people I've shared this already several times. Um, I started um, software developer school, an online based based program. Um, it's been now about I think eight weeks I've, I've been doing it. I think that's awesome, man. And I think it's, that's awesome. It's it's my it's my preemptive sort of stopgap that you know, God forbid, you know, shows don't come back and that that resource is no longer available for me to to create uh, bill paying money. Um, you know, I wanted to to at least be working on something that I could I could help you know whatever help keep the lights on with if. You know, if I needed to, or at the very least, if I just needed to augment what I was still able to do musically. Now, you know, still doing, you know, recordings remotely for people and, and some teaching and stuff like that. But man, the landscape has completely changed. That primary source is gone. So for you and from your perspective, um, I have so much respect for you and for Jason as, as well. Jason Palmer, drummer, he's, he's got another business of his own. That's, that's his main, main source of income. Um, y'all are a little bit, you're a little bit more 2020 proof than I am. <laughs> so, I don't know if anybody's 2020. Proof, well, you know, you know what I'm uh, saying in terms of music, you know, like in, I, in terms think, of the music income side of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super proud of you for doing what you're doing, man. I think that's awesome. I mean, it's 2021 and everybody's got a side hustle, you know? I mean, it's, you know, so I think I think that's just a smart way. Like we were talking about with, with social media, it's it's just one pillar. I mean, if one yeah. goes down, it's nice to have another one to, to rely yeah. on. And, um, you know, that's something that, that really got me thinking this year, too. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, that's... I think that's a smart strategy. And, and I guess that's something that probably the financial guys have been talking about for years, but sure, I'm not hip sure. enough to, to know that. But um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that, dude. I think that's awesome. I think, I think that you will be able to overlap a little bit with your music uh, career as well with that. Cause you're going to probably now have the ability to do some cool things online that maybe previously you weren't able to do. So dude, I, I'm, I think that's super smart. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it the, the thing, the, the thing about last year is, you know, and, and we, we say it time and time again, you know, the, the, the great paradox is that, you know, there's there's so many good things that ended up coming out of, uh, of that of 2020. It's not mm-hmm. all bad stuff. Um, you know, for me, it was a it was finally an opportunity to finish this album. Uh, I couldn't have had as much uninterrupted time, you know, over a series of months uh, if everything was was kind of normal. Um, I couldn't have worked on my upright bass playing, which is something new I started at the beginning of 2020. I, I couldn't I have, have put as much time into that. That's been wonderfully challenging and enjoyable. And this this coding work, it's I just I forgot how much I really liked learning, you know. And and I've and I've been yeah. working on these these new things, and and that that's been a real blessing. And um, have have you had? Have you had anything like like that? Like, have you sort of embarked any new hobbies or any new projects or anything because of all the the, the downtime, or have you just been so busy with your your business? You know, uh, the, the the business I, I kind of been consumed with the business this year, and not consumed, but but really really paying close attention to it and staying on top of it because um, you know I'm a firm believer when you get hit with something, you can you can pivot and maybe capitalize on that. Um, so I, I kind of tried to do that, you know, uh, being a chiropractor, we don't treat 
you know, diseases and viruses and things like that. So, you know, we were able to kind of say, hey, you know, maybe the emergency room isn't the place to go if you've got headaches or back pain or things like that. You know, we're open, everything's clean, we've modified everything. You know, we've kind of had to, you know, obviously stay on top of all that. So, you know, there are ways of of, of kind of pivoting and, and trying to move forward with that stuff. And um, like we talked about, I mean, you know, I've been looking at secondary little streams of income and kind of sure. thinking about little things too. So, you know, uh, like I said, you know, nothing's, nothing's for granted. Uh, take nothing for granted. You know, we yeah. may not be able to work tomorrow. I, I've been lucky to be able to work through this thing. And I, I know a lot of people that haven't. So that's, yeah. that's the only reason I, I say, you know, you know, I survived 2020. Right. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, what, what else do you, what else do you like, like doing? Um, well, I know the answer to this question a little bit already, but, um, <laughs> but you're, you're kind of a man of the world and that you appreciate, you know, you appreciate some of the more enjoyable uh, things in life, like really great food and great, great music and, and you know, art yeah. type stuff. Um, uh, and yeah, you can so, make a pretty uh, yeah. mean pizza. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, man. Which is, I got a new place for you next time you're down here. I thought awesome. I told you about it. But you've yeah, been doing I, your I, own. I like to- I'm a jack of all trades kind of guy. Yeah, I've always been that totally. way. I'm, I, I can be okay at a lot of things, but really good at very little things. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where I lay. I, I, I kind of like to, to get into little hobbies and things here recently. I've been, uh, from, from, uh, setting up a new video studio for my office, I've kind of rekindled my, my passion for photography. So I've been taking a lot mm. of pictures lately and doing cool. that. And, uh, very cool. You actually got me into racing which, uh, yeah. shame on you for doing that. My, my wallet does not thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> That's the other thing we share in common is this, this, uh, this, uh, addiction that is the cars. Um, yeah, I know you, you've recently gotten a, a, a new acquisition you've been enjoying, which I'm absolutely thrilled to, to hear. And yeah. we still got to get you up to middle Tennessee to, to, so we can enjoy some back roads. I can't uh, wait to see run. your project either. I know you've got a, a beautiful little uh, a little toy up there as well. So yeah, which is uh, I I'm, forgot I'm to mention. I'm nowhere near the driver that you are. I'm, I'm again a rank amateur, a jack of all trades. Uh, well, but uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 really enjoying learning uh, steep learning curve in this in this race yeah. race car driving game. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a blast. I'm I'm excited you're you're doing it. I'm hoping to. Uh, I've been off the track for, for quite some time, but I'm hoping to hoping to change that this this year. We'll we'll see how it goes. But um, but yeah, at the very least, there's there's those there's those back roads still waiting for us. So we need to get out. I'm down. Let's let's <laughs> let's say we, a week or two, I'll be up there. Yeah, man, for sure. So I I got some questions about your album, dude. Oh, okay. Can we talk about your album? I I guess sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> What do you, what, I, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite song is. Cause I hate it when people ask that, Okay. but what, what's the song you're listening to the most right now off of your, off of the new album? Well, um, I'm currently taking a break from it because, um, there's, there was the, there was the point of one, once it was finally out, sort of like celebrating and listening to it a lot and just kind of absorbing. And then when I had to kind of take a break, once I started listening to things, I started to notice things that I wish I would have done. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, so you're in that phase. You're in that phase. Okay. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in that, that phase where I, you know, I'm trying not yeah. to let myself go there. Um, you know, where things are now hitting me like in, inspirationally. I'm going, why wasn't I inspired with that before? That's the uh, worst. That's it the worst. Is the worst. <laughs> but, 
but I, I do have, I do have some songs that are, that are I'm most fond of. Um, one is uh, the locust, which it, it holds a one. lot of uh, sentimental value because um, it, it actually chronicles um, in a more of a poetic sense. Uh, it, it chronicles a lot of the struggles that my wife and I have, have had to go through um, everything, trials and, and tribulations with, with, you know, career, family, relational stuff, like losing family members, like all, all kinds of things that just sort of like, you know, cause, cause stress and, and grief. Um, and it, there's, I don't think she'd mind me saying, but, um, we, we've contended for many, many years with some longstanding health issues with, with my wife. And so mm -hmm. there's, uh, the, the song ultimately has a, a message of redemption of redeeming rough times, you know, uh, bad times, ultimately redeem, redeeming them into things that are used for good. And as we've, we've been fortunate to, to see these re redemptive forces, um, you know, sort of taking hold of, of these different things that were really tough to go through and redeeming those for us. And so it's like a, for us, it's like our victory song, you know, like get, getting through, yeah. getting through the wilderness together. Um, so, so that one is, is really sentimental in, in a lot of ways. And also too, like that, that song, I artistically, I like how it happened. Um, it's got a little bit more of like an, uh, a story, like an epic storytelling type of thing with the, with the dynamics, you know, it gets really yeah. loud. It gets really quiet. It gets really loud again, you know, type of thing. Um, a little more like thematic. I think that's probably a better word for it. So I, I like that a lot. Professor is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, it's, it, it's, that is a, that's a tune that I almost feel like uh, was, I don't even know where, where some of that came from. I mean, you, you can hear the influences in it, but um, I'm especially excited about that song because of, you know, what it, what it represents as a tribute, but also how much it, um, it honors the influences of, of my youth as, as a, as a young, young musician, you know, coming up as a Did player. that start out as a tribute song or, or did it kind of, did you, did you produce the song and then you're like, Oh, you th I think I'm, I think this sounds like something that, how did that? Yeah. That it's it, the latter. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, when, when that song began, it was, it was built from uh, riffs like uh, riff writing. And I was writing on for, for almost all of this, this record was written from a guitar perspective. And so I was I was writing guitar riffs and unison things and and the more the song came together, the more it started to sound like it could be in that sort of rush prog type genre thing. And then when we lost Neil last year, it was it was just it struck me clear as day. Yeah, this this tune is supposed to be a tribute to to him. Yeah. So that's it. Really, I, I, it really it's 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 the perfect it's the perfect tribute i mean it's oh, it, thanks man it has that rush vibe and it's uh, it, uh, that's that's definitely we're, we're two for two those are those are both oh, bangers. thanks man and then if i had like a, a top three the third it's tough to say man i it would probably be between um uh probably between zombies and world is loud um yeah. either either one those of are those. my other two Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, those um, are my other. I, I, I mean, the whole the whole album's a, a masterwork, but they, oh, there are a couple that really stick out. Those those oh, are my, my kind of favorites, I suppose. At least right now, you yeah. know how it goes. It, it changes. You might find a couple other ones are going to be your favorites in a, in a month or yeah. two, but yeah, yeah, those but are. It, it's it's fantastic, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, and thanks for being a part of it too. So appreciate oh, man, it. thank you for asking me. I, I I get I get a little like uh, a little tickled every time you call me to do a, a song because <laughs> you know it's like I'm just a just a guy from Mississippi that just, you know, liked listening to your music. So I'm, I'm super tickled to, to be playing on it and, and, you know, to, to call you a buddy too. Man, absolutely. I, and I, I appreciate that. It's, you know, there's obviously something in the water there. I mean, what, what, uh, is Tupelo? It's a hotbed. It's a hotbed for good musicians. It here. is. Is, is, the, yeah. what's the, is there a, is there a historical context that, um, that I'm not aware of that, that you know, I don't know. Music I, and Tupelo together. You know, I mean, birthplace of Elvis. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Duh. You know, the, the, right. the crossroads is not, is not far away. Yeah. So there's that whole Mississippi blues. It's kind of in our DNA. Yeah. But I mean, really, you know, in these little small towns, Mississippi, when you're growing up, it's either you're going to play sports or you're going to play music. And I am, I'm not a super athletic guy. So I went the music route. My, my family was musical. So um, I think a lot of folks kind of wind up going that route and, and yeah. just a lot of great musicians here. That's yeah, it's, that is the truth. That that's, that's amazing. And yeah. we've had, and we've had some great gigs in, in, uh, got some in great Tupelo. gigs in Tupelo. There's some wow. great, not only great musicians, but there's really appreciative music listeners and, and music um, connoisseurs, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I mean, people seem to really, they like coming out and, and supporting when that's, that's so great. Um, yeah. Got to give props yeah, to the, the blue canoe where. Yeah. Adam man, Morgan, Adam Morgan, he, he's, crew. he's been instrumental in kind of creating that vibe in Tupelo. You know, he's, he's really built his, uh, for those that don't know, the blue canoe is a, a, a very nice uh, listening room and slash restaurant and bar here in, in Tupelo. And uh, a good buddy of ours, Adam Morgan owns it. And um, yeah, he's really developed uh, uh sort of that um that vibe in Tupelo altogether. He really uh you know when you go into his place you you go to listen to good music and uh as a musician I think it's one of my favorite places I've ever played. I mean, yeah, it's just I so much fun to be able to sit down and I mean it's just a, a little hole in the wall joint, you know, but it's it's uh, it's nice and it's uh the audience is very appreciative and and very interactive and that that goes a long way when you're on stage. And the but, stage yeah, we, we're, we're, we're blessed too. to have that vibe here. Yeah. And it's got a great sounding stage. Um, yeah, it's, it's small, but it's, but it's intimate and heck, even the food's good, which is, which yeah. is a nice bonus. <laughs> and we, we've got, we've got uh, recordings on, on Facebook, our, our YouTube. That's um, right. From, from there. So if anybody's watching this, you want to check it out, go, go look up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll add some, uh, I'll add some links in the video description um, for that yeah. for, and, and people can, can check those out as well. Um, anything else you want to share with anybody or anything that, that you have coming up, man, just that I'm, other I'm super proud of you, brother. Oh man. I'm super proud of you, brother, for this oh. thing. This is, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a masterwork. Man. Um, I'm, I, I, no joke. I've been listening to it nonstop for the past. Uh, when did you send me like the pre-release MP3s, you know, two or three months ago? It's been a while. I've been listening to it nonstop. It's oh it, honestly, I haven't, that, that, you know, I love Prague. I, 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 you know, big rush fan. I love that stuff, but my ears fatigue of it sometimes, mm. you know, usually by the time you get through halfway through an album, you're kind of like, okay, I, you know, my, my, my ears might be a little blown out now. It's yeah. time to move on to something else. 
not with this. Wow. Not with this. It's it's yeah. sonically very um, polished and and I can't say enough good things wow. about it, man. I really Gosh. like this album. Thank you so much, man. That 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 means the world to me. I appreciate that a lot. Um, man, Chris, thank you so much for your for thank you, my brother, and, and for doing this and. Um, I mean, I can't wait to hang with you again in, in person and play some music and um, Let's do it. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll keep fighting the good fight and uh, get out of this mess, hopefully before too long. And, and um, whatever, man, just, it, you know, keep doing what we were doing before. And I just I'm just I more than anything else, man, I, I really do remain hopeful about, you know, things turning back around and, and, um, all of us having an opportunity to, to, you know, to, to share our, our, our passions, you know, through our, it will, our, it may look a little different, but it, it, it will, uh, it yeah. has to. Absolutely. Well, man, blessings to you and also to your family tell your mom and dad. So I will, man, give, give Steph a big hug for me. Yeah, we'll do. You have a great night, man. Thanks again. You too, brother. All right. Oh, Hey, are you still there? Yeah. I, I forgot. Sorry. I'm going to, I'll edit this in more smoothly. Um, All right. So, okay. So Chris, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to get you to play on their, on their music or get you to produce something they're doing, any, anything like that, is, is that okay? And, and if so, yeah. what's the best way for them to get in touch with you so they can take advantage of, of, of your time? Yeah. So hit me on Facebook, um, uh, Chris Carver on Facebook, uh, Carver Music on YouTube. Uh, I'm not that hard to find. And, and yeah, just give me a shout and, and we'll see what we can work out. Awesome, man. Fantastic. All right, everybody. Make sure you reach out, take advantage, and we will see you in the next installment. Everybody, God bless. Take care. See you, brother.